Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Lots to talk about in the program today, a rare college basketball achievement in the SEC last night, and we're not talking about Ole Miss's 60-53 win at Missouri, uh, at least not under the heading of rare achievements. Uh, somewhat rare. We'll talk about that game, talk some baseball. We may sprinkle in some football. We'll see how the clock goes. Dalton, how are you, man? Man, I'm all right. It's just uh, a little busy. You know how this time of the year gets, all these sports start uh, crossing over each other. It's just a it's just a busy time of the busy time of the year. It is a busy time of the year, but you know what? It was it was just a year ago uh, when we should have been in one of our busiest times this crossover season with uh, uh, the end of basketball, uh, baseball, and spring football coming up. Uh, but everything just came to a halt, just came to a grinding halt, and it was hard to generate meaningful sports content. So. Right. I'm busy, man. I'm uh, I'm glad to have uh, the games, and I'll go over for a uh, number one Ole Miss, uh, which is kind of hard to kinda, you know, hard to wrap my mind around that. But uh, I'll go for uh, the home opener against Arkansas State. Uh, that's today at four. Uh, Dalton, I was thinking, did State's women reach uh, number one uh, a couple of years ago? Did they have a little? Uh, run there at number one do you remember yeah i'm pretty sure they were number one for for a few weeks i think they um i don't know if they they didn't get the number one overall seed in the tournament i know but i'm pretty sure they were number one at least for a few weeks yeah. or for a prolonged period of time during the season um i'm trying to think if uh you know Ole miss being uh number one in three and there's so many polls so many baseball polls but number one right. in three of the polls right now and really the two most prominent ones, I think, uh, uh, in Baseball America and D1Baseball.com. So both, both right. number one there. But what's odd, some of these polls, Dalton, if they're not number one, it's, they're, they're not number two. Like collegiate baseball has them at number five. I think the coaches poll, they're number four. So it's not like they're, you know, it's it's kind of a kind of a gap. Yeah, and uh, yeah, with, with state, you know, state's ranked number five right now by the the two that you mentioned, Baseball America and D1 Baseball. Um, and then you mentioned those other polls, you know, they'll be seventh or eighth, but then like collegiate baseball, which has almost five, has Mississippi State at number 12, not even top 10 team. So it's a little weird. I'm not sure what they, um, you know, what, what they make the rankings based off of, but it is a little odd that everyone else has, you know, these teams, both of our teams in the top five, while they have one of like, they have stayed at 12, you know, what, what is it that about state that, you thought put them at twelve whenever they beat two out of three top ten teams without two pitchers. You know, it's a little it's a little weird. I don't know what yeah. they they base it off of, but there are a lot of polls. So I mean, who knows? Yeah, you know, we need that that unification bout like they have in WWF, man. We need we, we need that. We need to unify the polls. Too many baseball polls, but Ole Miss is number one. And and where I was going was trying to remember uh, the last time State or Ole Miss was number one. And when we have this kind of discussion, we usually uh, include the, the primary interest sports, football, basketball, uh, baseball, and, uh, and typically we include women's basketball in that. So states women, we think, did have a little bit of time at number one. I was going back to, uh, uh, 
Dak Prescott and that team, that right. State football team, where they had a, a five. Yeah, they were one yeah, I think they were one for like seven or eight weeks, and then it was five. I think it was five weeks, is what stands out. Five I mean, weeks. Yeah, twenty fourteen. I can't, um, you know, I can't sit here and put it in a direct amount, or even one hundred percent say that the women were ranked number one. But I'm, I'd, I'd like to think they are. I'm pretty sure they were at least a little yeah. bit. Yeah, we'll uh, see if we can uh, get our our research department uh, on that uh, later today. Hey, folks, we want to thank uh, Oxford Park Commission for partnering with Justify Your Existence uh, and the Ole Miss Facebook group as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. OPC is currently registering for adult flag football ages 16 and up. Feel like a kid again in the backyard with the Oxford Sport and Social Club. This is the four-on-four flag football, maximum of 10 on the roster. Team captains will pick their players and submit roster to the Oxford Park Commission. Cost is $125 per team. The season opener is Monday, and the season will run through April 5th. They'll take a week off for spring break. All games will be played at M-Trade Park. Visit OxfordParkCommission.com to register before Friday. If you want a team, Dalton, if you want to get up a, a four-on-four, I mean, you and me, we just need two more. We, we got to do that uh, uh, before Really, before tomorrow, is that right? Yeah, today's Wednesday. Yeah, we can uh, we go sign up. We get us two more people. We could probably sneak a win or two out of there. I think you know, maybe catch someone off guard. Yeah, I think maybe so. We might uh, might could do that. I'll tell you, uh, John Davis says uh, that they it's it's pretty popular. They have uh, teams coming from uh, really uh, a lot of different places uh, in Northeast Mississippi. Uh, some groups from Tupelo uh, will drive over and play. So. Anyway, hey, uh, last night in the SEC, SEC basketball, Georgia guard, Severe Wheeler, a sophomore out of Houston, had a triple-double, 14 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. And I just got to thinking, man, how how rare is that? Uh, it's, it's really – it just doesn't happen that much. And <clears throat> started doing a little research on it, and, and – uh, I'm thinking there has been no one from Ole Miss to record a triple-double because uh, I couldn't find it in the media guide. And there have been many, many double-doubles. You know, that's just not uh, not quite not quite as rare. In fact, uh, the number one, uh, the career leader in double-doubles for Ole Miss was uh, Joe Gibbon back in the 50s, did it 45 times. Uh, so the the modern era leader is Murphy Holloway at 39, and you get all the way to the top 10, and the top 10 guys still had 22. That was Raheem Lockhart. But I'm thinking triple-double. I don't see anybody from Ole Miss that has ever had a triple-double. And did a little Google search, and what I came back with was that uh, the SEC leader in triple-doubles was Shaquille O'Neal, uh, when Shaq was uh, was at LSU, and and he had, uh, I think, five double doubles through his career. Six, excuse me, he had six triple doubles in his career, and uh, that research uh, would indicate that he was the SEC leader. But uh, that's not what your research has indicated. Yeah, um, I saw that tweet last night about him being the first, and it didn't even cross my mind to even try to research this because. Um, what I actually saw was somebody a quote tweeted. I don't know if it was the SECs or Georgias, and they were and 
because the SEC, I think, just tweeted out that, you know, it was the first one in Georgia history, and somebody just said the first. You know, like, how is it the first at triple-double? Because, you know, nowadays it kind of seems like a common occurrence, you know, especially in the NBA. You look up and there's four or five of them a night, Every it seems like. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just have, I looked that up this morning, and I also cannot find it in the media guide. I don't know if it's in there or not, but the media guide's also, like, 350 pages long. Um and I wasn't going to sit there and just cycle through page after page reading every single one this morning. But um, uh, I looked up the word triple-double in there and couldn't find anything. So, But then I did a little Google search. And like you said, I got, my research was a little different than uh, than Shaq being the leader. Um, so a, a state probably has about 10 um, triple-doubles in its career. Um, I think Lawrence Roberts had one. Jamont Gordon had one. And then Jarvis Renato, of course. Everyone knows who he is. Um from, from what hailstate.com and Google is saying is he had one his junior year and then recorded seven triple doubles his senior year, which seven triple doubles seems a lot in one, in one season. So I don't know. It but. does, but Jarvis Bernardo was probably a, a double-double average guy. Don't you think he probably – I mean, probably uh, maybe not average, but uh, for him to get ten rebounds – was probably not uh, – it was not like lightning in a bottle or anything. Right. And and he was like the block shot, like the block shot king. Okay. Yeah, and that's whenever I was looking him up. That was uh, one of them that I saw. A sto- I know he has one for sure because I, I saw an entire story written about it on Google. Um, and that was it. Was he hit, a triple-double was points, rebounds, and blocks. Yeah, I could see him getting to uh, – getting to 10 blocks, uh, you know, certainly uh, in non-conference games, uh, and, and I'm sure in some SEC games as well, I could see him getting to 10 blocks. And if he got there, if he got there, then the uh, the, the points and rebounds probably were, uh, you know, not that not that hard to achieve, a little more, a little more common. But uh, just the triple-double itself, man, when I saw that uh, – that tweet that you were referencing, I thought, wow, the first one, you know, how, how rare is this? And uh, I've started looking, you know, for the Ole Miss triple double. And, and, and if it's out there, uh, I can't find it uh, in the media. Right. So uh, it, it, it's just, it is funny to me. Like I kind of just talked about it a little bit, but like, you know, how rare it is in college basketball. Cause you think, you know, NBA games aren't an outrageously, aren't outrageously much longer than, um, College games, you know, they they are longer. There's more minutes put in, but it seems like you know Russell Westbrook, for example, or LeBron James. These guys they're getting triple doubles every single night. Um, you know, and it's just like nobody in a school's history has gotten one. It's just it's a little wild to me that that's that's not more common occurrence, especially in today's day of basketball, where it's you know you kind of stat padding an extra eight minutes in a game. Isn't that right? NBA's at twelve minute quarters. Yes. Yeah. An extra eight minutes. You think about. Uh, I would imagine that there are a lot of college basketball players who are close to a triple double. Right. You know, and and so you throw uh, another eight minutes in a game, and uh, you're a player like LeBron James who doesn't come out of the game that much. Uh, if you got eight rebounds, you think you can pick up two in another eight minutes? Like For so. sure. Yeah, I think that's. I think it probably would be. Uh, a more common occurrence, as you're saying, in NBA. Now, I am not an NBA aficionado uh, by, by any stretch. I'll tell you, uh, I, I 
if I keep up with anybody and I don't keep up with them much, I don't want to <laughs> mislead, but I kind of keep up with the Pelicans a little bit. Uh, not because I'm a big Pelicans fan, but because mm-hmm. I remember the NBA in New Orleans when I was a kid. I remember the Jazz in New Orleans. I remember Pete Maravich with a little run with the Jazz. I thought that was cool. Hey, there's an LSU guy on the roster. You know, so, All right. Well, um, you know, if you didn't see the news yesterday, uh, Zion for the, the Pelicans is now an all-star. Got picked well, me in an all-star game. Yeah, no. So, so that's that, that was something big yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, last time I looked, you guys were like 12 and 16. You got Zion. Let's get some pieces around him. You know, can we, mm-hmm. you know cl- climb the ladder a little bit. All right. So uh, I, I started thinking, well, who would be the most uh, – the Ole Miss player who would be most likely to record a triple-double? And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot about big guys like Bernardo. You know, with mm-hmm. him it was the block shots that got him there. But if you're a big guy – who can get the points and rebounds. And Sebastian Saez recorded a lot of double-doubles. If you're a big guy who can pass well and you pass out of the post a lot and you hit that guy on the wing and he knocks down a three, something like that, I I think you could get up there uh, and get the triple-double. So I started thinking Saez. I started thinking Justin Reed, you know. Uh, So anyway, there have been a lot of guys uh, through the years, I think, that uh, could get there. And like you said, there are so many different ways to get there, not just uh, not just points, rebounds, assists, but uh, you throw block shots, you throw steals in there. Right. There's been a lot of guards who can get uh, you know hands in the passing lane. So anyway, interesting uh, accomplishment last night uh, for uh, Georgia's severe Wheeler, 14 points, I, 13 assists, man. That's what stands out. 11 rebounds. You see a lot of guards who will get in there and – mix it up and come away with some rebounds. But, you know, 13 assists is really uh, – it really stands uh, stands the out Wheeler, uh, to me. The Wheeler kid is really good. I, when I was doing – um, I was doing my um, my lineup box yesterday, and I remember looking through, and he was one of the leaders in something. I don't remember – yeah, he's the leader in – like, he just mentioned 13 assists. He's the He leads the SEC with 7.2 assists per game. That's yeah. two more than any other player in the SEC averages. Yeah, he was up there. Yeah. So he 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 is a he is a good passer apparently, and he is a he knows how to dish it out because he you know averaging 7.2 assists in the SEC is not common. I feel like I, I don't I don't think it is common. Lots of times that assist leader is going to be four or five. Right. So anyway. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, Ole Miss, 60-53, to 53, winning at Missouri, sweeping Missouri. So another win against a ranked opponent, a quadrant one win uh, for Ole Miss. But look, uh, I think the Rebels got themselves back in the NCAA tournament conversation with that four-game win streak. But even then, such a small margin for error. And uh, is there a flicker of hope now? Maybe. But if they win out, if they win out, they'll be 11 and 7 in the conference. And that's if they get to make up that South Carolina game on March the 6th. Right. All right. So that means you still got to win your last three. And uh, they go to Vanderbilt Saturday. And I'll tell you, you, you've seen Vanderbilt live. I think Vanderbilt's playing a lot better. I saw what they did to state. But after that, they went to Alabama and lost by four. Right. That's so, just the team right there that, you know is able to hit 23s in a game on any on any team in the conference and just catch you off guard, I feel like. Um, 
but the way Ole Miss plays defense this year, and, and of course they don't play great defense every single game, but you know for the most part I would say they play pretty good defense every single night. Um, I could see them handling Vanderbilt pretty well, so I don't know. We'll see that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, Missouri uh, hit some threes last night, missed some open looks too. Uh, I don't know. I think Vanderbilt collectively will be a better shooting team than Missouri. But look, uh, give Ole Miss credit. I know you have talked on here before you've spoken before about uh, the inconsistency that you see with uh, with state's men this season and I, I thought well uh, you know kind of seeing that with Ole Miss uh, as well you know they tried to figure some things out uh, early uh, then they had uh, had a nice week with the wins uh, over uh, state and Texas A&M and then they followed that up with just really a couple of bad performances on the road at Arkansas which is playing well uh, but at Arkansas and at Georgia, the, the Rebels really didn't play well. And, and so I'm thinking, well, this is, this is where they're going to kind of tail off. And then they won their next four and, uh, and really just didn't play well uh, against State. And I think that was one of those games where I think State was embarrassed by its performance against Ole Miss and Starkville. I think they were really locked in. I, I thought uh, Abdul Adu, his, his quote uh, after the game <laughs> – about uh, we don't think they're that much better than us. We don't think that we think we have better players. You know, it's not like they got a bunch of NBA guys over there. Uh, you know, right. uh, all, all players think they're the best. You know, think their team is the best, and, and they all think that that the mistakes are their own doing, and they just have to correct their mistakes. That's fine. I, I don't see a lot of separation between these teams. So, right. so the idea that the state could come in locked in, because I know they were, uh, and Put up that kind of performance defensively, you know, really, really being physical in the paint, which they were, and uh, and, and making things tough for Schuler when he got in there, you know, not just uh, not just limiting touches for Romello White and, and not letting him catch it in great position, which they did those things, but when the guards got in the lane, you know, or got near, you know, I thought they uh, they really did a good job of keeping a body. Uh, between Schuler and the rim, between Joyner right. and the rim, and uh, and that was a big part of of how State won that game. But look, Ole Miss uh, has exhibited some of that same inconsistency, but was able to come back from that uh, Mississippi State loss and really play well in Missouri last night. Uh, you know, Missouri conventional wisdom uh, thinking you're going to really try to get your big guy going, uh, Jeremiah Tillman, and and he's been. Uh, you know, such a, a force for them this year at 6'10", 260. And they did. They did try to get him going. But uh, Ole Miss did a good job uh, of, of the double team when they were in man. Uh, they did a good job of uh, limiting his advantage catches uh, when they were in zone. And he got a couple of shots, got a couple of shots up. But where he affected the game uh, was block shots with four uh, and, and just really altering shots. Um I thought it was to me the takeaway from last night was we we heard Kermit Davis after the state game talk about uh, his disappointment because he felt like uh, Ole Miss's poor offense bled over to their defense. He thought they let their offense affect their defense, and uh, that got them out of some things and and uh, really kind of helped State pull away. I thought last night that they didn't do that. They didn't have great offense. You know, they, they weren't lighting it up. Uh, they shot like shot in the 30s and in the second half and 
you know, had to uh, had to struggle to get up to the 30s. I think they they missed like nine or ten of their first shots uh, in the second half. Um, nine out of ten or something like that. They, they got one early and then just really struggled to uh, to hit shots. So while they were not playing well offensively, they continued to play well defensively. That kept them in position. Missouri came back from – they were 13 down. They came back and took the lead with nine minutes left. But uh, Ole Miss played well enough defensively amid its offensive struggles uh, to put itself in position and, and finally got a couple of shots to go down. And they got in that situation where uh, Missouri had to foul. And when they when they got that, they finally got a, you know, a two-possession lead there after a buffing layup. Uh, clock's running down. You're under a minute. Missouri's got a foul. And they did a really good job of getting it in Joyner's hands. And he's one of their best free throw shooters. And he hit uh, six for six from the line in the last 45 seconds. And so uh, they just really uh, were able to uh, get a big win on the road. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the inconsistency there. And uh, that, you, know, you, you talked about a lot of things right there, but the inconsistency is one that really stood out to me. Um, because uh, that kind of relates to Mississippi State. So Mississippi State's coming off of that win over Ole Miss, has not played since. Um, and they play South Carolina tomorrow or tonight. They play South Carolina tonight. I'm sorry. Um, and so Mississippi State is sitting in sixth from the bottom. So, uh, you know, just six and eight in the SEC. And they have a chance if they win today, I feel like that kind of pulls them out of that bottom four. Um which is much needed for them going forward. You know, they don't want to be in that bottom four in the SEC tournament. Um, but so I just don't know how they're going to respond. You know, you, you had such a good win. And you mentioned Abdul do saying those things after the game where he's like, I just think we're better. We have better players, you know, blah, blah, blah. All this excitement. They were so hyped up. I don't know if it's going to be a letdown or what tonight. You know, f- you know, um, Frank Martin in South Carolina can make you look really stupid on offense with how good they play defense sometimes. And uh, State has played some other teams that they just, you know, where State has just looked really stupid on offense and just looks very uh, inefficient at times this year. Um, and so I could see them kind of having a letdown tonight, but I don't know. They, they beat South Carolina by 16 points last game. Um, DJ Stewart was a big saying that I think he ended up with 29, which is SEC career high. Since then, he's been three games since the last time he played South Carolina. He scored double digits only once, and that was against Ole Miss. Then he had 16. Um, but then he scored like nine and five points. He's just been really inconsistent, kind of struggling offense. They're going to need a big game from him if they want to win tonight um, and kind of keep themselves out of that uh, that bottom four in the, in the first day of the tournament. Um, but I don't know. We're going to see. You know, I feel like they kind of have to win because they're, the last three games um, – is South Carolina, Alabama, and Texas A&M. Alabama, I feel like, is an automatic loss. You know, they beat it, – it's at, it's at state, so it's in Starville, so that's that's a plus, but they already lost Alabama. And I feel like Texas well, A&M – They played well. Them. They played well in Tuscaloosa. They did. Right after Ole Miss, and, you know, I, I thought, wow, this is the kind of team I expected to see uh, in Starville the other night. But, uh, you know, they had a shot. They, they played well defensively, and uh, they were in that game really late. Yeah, and if, and if they put that again at home, you know, who knows what happens, especially if uh, if, if someone, somebody steps up, you know, because uh, the, the trio of D.J. Stewart, Irison Molinar, and Tolu Smith, who are, you know, the three main guys in that offense, um, when they each score in double digits, State's 10-0 this season. 
but they just have a lot of trouble getting all three of them to score in double digits. Um, but I feel like tonight's, if they want to stay out of that bottom four, is kind of a must win because you got South Carolina, Alabama, and Texas A&M. They lost, the state lost to A&M the first time, but that is a winnable game. You know, A&M's kind of fallen off. They're not as good. I think they're in the bottom four right now. Yeah, they're two and six in conference. So, um, obviously, they haven't played too many games. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they're having some COVID issues or what over there. but I think they have had some COVID issues. You mentioned Frank Martin, man. It's just really hard for me to wrap my mind around Frank Martin in the ball pit. You know, he just looks uh, look, looks really different. That's that's it's hard to get used to that look. But I like Frank Martin. He's one of my uh, favorite uh, opposing coaches to interview and listen to and, and come in contact with. Uh, I, I just think he's so he is so brutally honest. Right. Br- brutally honest, and you know, brutally honest guys. I think Kermit Davis is brutally honest, and you know, I, I like that. I, I like holding your players accountable to a degree. I think it always has to come back as shared responsibility. Ultimately, the coach is going to get fired. We've talked about this. <laughs> you know, ultimately the coach has to be responsible, but I think it's I, I like to hear coaches hold players accountable for their play when I think the players have been coached. When I think the work has been there, the preparation has been there, and for whatever reason there's something is lost in the connection. I think it's okay to share the responsibility. You mentioned brutally honest coaches, and you mentioned I think you said Kermit right there. Um, if you would have asked me who out of the Ole Miss coaches who I thought was the most brutally honest, I wouldn't have said Kermit. I don't think I think I would have said Coach Yo. Um, and I don't even want to try to say her full name because I don't. I just don't know it off the top of my head that I'll butcher it. But um, um, I remember when they played at State earlier this year. You know, I think it was like a three-point game, four-point game, something like that, state one. She comes in the press conference, and I don't remember exactly what she said, but I was sitting there, and um, she said something. I was like, wow, she was just straight to the point. She didn't – She didn't. Yeah, I think they, she was – she yeah. said a few cuss words in there. She was, I was just like, yeah, this is – I like this woman. She's over here just telling her how it is. She's got the so, brutal uh, honesty gene too now. She can – She can. Yeah. there's, there's some brutal honesty there. Hey, football uh, – Dalton, uh, Ole Miss has set April 24th for the Grove Bowl. They announced that in a release uh, yesterday, but and, and that's good. I like to know when uh, spring football is going to start, and uh, the practice will start March 23rd, actually. So uh, that, that's that's on the calendar for the Rebels. I know State's not released their dates yet, but the, the, the takeaway from the release yesterday uh, was that uh, in the coming weeks, uh, the school will announce guidelines for uh, attendance uh, for the Grove Bowl, what that will look like, uh, and also, quote, other activities. To me, this is the key, other activities, because there were zero activities in football season. Uh, right. you know, it was go to the game, very restricted environment, get there, get to your seat, you know, try not to move around and, and go home after. And it was really – that was one of, the, one of the strangest things last year uh, was not necessarily – seeing the limited number of people in the stands because quite frankly, I've seen that at some non-conference games at right. Ole Miss, and, and, and you've seen that as well. Uh, so it, that wasn't as strange as getting out of the car and walking to the stadium and seeing nothing yeah. on campus, seeing nothing in the pavilion, seeing nothing on the concourse outside, uh, knowing that the Grove was just completely shut down 
to me, that was one of the strangest things. So I'm very uh, uh, interested to see what other activities mean uh, and, and how, how the schools, Ole Miss and others, will begin to incorporate people on their campuses again. But uh, so I, we'll see what other activities means. I, I can't, I can't believe it would be too much. Yeah, I don't think it will be right now. You know, when the fall comes, who knows? You know, depending on how this, uh, if we keep improving on this virus and that everyone starts getting this vaccine and everything, of course, who knows? But um, yeah, I think you know, I could see them start increasing the numbers a little bit right now. But in, um, I don't know the the, the other activities. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that yesterday, which I didn't read Ole Miss's, uh, the release whenever they announced it yesterday. But, um, yeah, the other activities is a little, that's a little, uh, it stands out a little bit. I wonder what, what they have planned for that. I can't imagine schools completely shutting down. If, if we think that the virus and the situation is continuing to improve as, uh, as numbers indicate right now, if, if we keep getting better, I just can't imagine that the schools would completely shut down tailgating again uh right. maybe they police that in a way i mean that that's you know that that's uh that that's business you know whether it's catering you know from school services or whatnot or maybe they sell a few spots but just the it's business for the community um and that's that that's a big thing so i'm, I'm really uh, interested to see what that's like obviously tailgating is huge at, at Ole Miss, at State as well, at, at both places. I, I know it was greatly missed uh, in 2020. And yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the best parts of the game. I know um, before this year, of course, you know, whenever I was not working on beat college beat, you know, I go to a, a Mississippi State game. I went to a few Ole Miss games. And tailgating uh, is the, the best part about it because, you know, you get to go watch your – you, know, you can go in the stadium and watch State or Ole Miss get beat by LSU or Bama by 45 points, or you can just hang out and drink some beers out in the tailgate and just have a play cornhole all day and have fun. Um, that's one of the best parts about the game, especially when you kind of kind of cover. Um, I'm not gonna say mediocre, but you know, t- two teams that are not typically yeah. towards the top of the SEC. <laughs> hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. We thank you for clicking in with us today be sure to check out dalton and me at djournal.com find that drop down menu scroll down to the old miss and msu pages and watch the stories flow we're on facebook as well old miss discussion with parish alford and mississippi state discussion with dalton middleton lots of good things going on in those groups thanks for being with us folks come back and join us tomorrow